Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It has been a heck of a start to football season. If you want to bet money lines, overs, unders, parlays, props, and more, then you should head over to betonline.ag. Use our promo code BLEAV50. That's B L E A V 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Except when it isn't always a podcast. Sometimes it's just not a podcast, but it's almost always a podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous day. We've got an interesting show coming at you today. We've got our friend DSD coming at you once again. This is our friend Cam. We were, we did this uh, recording a couple weeks ago, and I uh, wanted to crop this into two episodes. So you have one last week with you and me and your boy DSD, and we have another part of that conversation coming up today. We'll get to that in a little bit here. I forgot to mention in doing the intro, it is, in fact, September 29th, 2022, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We've got a unique little show here where I've got an A block and a B block before we get into a C block conversation with our friend DSD. And the first place I want to talk and converse Uh, surrounds Aaron Judge and the 61st home run because it's the story in sports this week and we don't do enough to cover baseball on this podcast so uh, in order to introduce our baseball segment I'm going to play the bit that we did around the Padres and Dodgers and Mets which has nothing to do with Aaron Judge but it's Star Wars and it's fun and it's baseball and has a lot of layered jokes and I'm very proud of this bit that we did so this is our baseball anthem for the season shall we say is our Star Wars baseball pair Episode 4. The Holy Dodger Empire continues their reign over the West. In previous years, the Holy Dodger Empire dismantled the once great Royal Cardinals, establishing a new power within the galaxy. The Holy Dodger Empire defeated the Royal Cardinals, invaded the Mill of Waukee, and vanquished the 107-win Giants. In the meantime, the Holy Dodger Empire pillaged both the Purple Rockies and the Backs of Diamond in Arizona. These invasions increased the Empire's wealth tenfold. Their resources are unmatched. Their power is unquestioned. With the West and the Central firmly in control, 
the Holy Dodger Empire sets their sights on a new conquest, the Eastern Empire State. If the Holy Dodger Empire defeats Master Cohen and his Met army of queens, there will be nothing left to stop them from conquering the galaxy. To the south, a small resistance forms in San Diego. While outnumbered and outresourced, the resistance fights for their very existence against the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. It's a changing time in the galaxy. The once great Imperial Nationals of Washington have fallen. Years earlier, the Imperial Nationals once defeated the Holy Dodger Empire at the Battle of Strasbourg. Now, they find themselves bankrupt and selling pieces to the highest bidder. In this collapse, the Holy Dodger Empire captured a great captain known as Mad Max, who helped strengthen the Holy Dodger Empire's hold on the galaxy. However, Mad Max has escaped and defected to Master Cohen and the Met Army of Queens. He will spend whatever years he has left fighting to dismantle the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. And now, the legendary Imperial Captain Juan Soto has joined the Resistance after paying his debt to Kara the Hutt. To San Diego, Captain Juan Soto brings with him the Imperial Nationals' mighty Josh Bell. Joining Captain Soto is Lord Hader, the supreme closer of the Mill of Waukee, called to fight by the message of the Resistance and the possibility of bringing balance to the Force. The Resistance has paid a heavy price, yet they have never been closer to defeating the Holy Dodger Empire. All right, let's talk about Aaron Judge, because Aaron Judge just hit home run number 61, which tied the American League record, which I know all of programming in baseball and sports was tailored towards that moment for the past six days and now feels a little bit anticlimactic. Baseball records always fascinate me. Sometimes whenever we talk about like old-timey baseball stuff and old-timey baseball records that used to matter because I understand the history of sport and it's been passed down from generations and stories and tribalism that exists around sports when we talk about the home run record and Bonds and McGuire versus Sosa bringing baseball back from a strike in 1998 that we make documentaries about and tell stories about how the summer of 98 we all fell in love with baseball again and I was not born in the summer of 98. So it's hard for me to relate to that other than just knowing the history. And the home run records are so interesting because I got the the steroid era when everyone was getting busted for steroids. Like, I don't remember anything about Barry Bonds' career other than the 756th home run. Uh, I was six years old when that happened, five years old when that happened. And Barry Bonds was someone who you just said was never going to get in the Hall of Fame. I remember the early, when I was 11 years old, I remember Alex Rodriguez getting chased around a parking lot by Pedro Gomez on Sports Center, And it was 
biogenesis scandal and all these names being thrown around as cheaters and you're told cheating is bad but then you get older and you start to realize cheating is within the confines of morals and ethics and everyone sets their morals and ethical bar in different place and then when you call the Astros cheaters I'm like well I don't really care if the Astros are cheaters and at the same time they're not doing anything that's like really a problem other than messing with the integrity of baseball that's been messed with across 20 years uh, because Baseball itself is a dying sport, and we just allow drug cheats to run rampant in the sport, and that's totally okay. Just change the rules, change the enforce. Instead of changing the enforcement and just doing law and order punishment, you could actually start to adapt the PED policy and change what substances are banned and what aren't. Uh, with the cheating scandal with the Astros, you could actually make it so that technology is used to call plays between pitchers and catchers so that it eliminates sign stealing altogether instead of just not changing the rules, punishing management because you can't punish the players, and uh, that's the end of the story, and everyone's just going to shame the Astros, even though the Astros are the greatest thing baseball has had in the last 20 years. Yeah, we could do all of that, or we could just punish the cheats. And so home run records to me are always so fascinating because, I mean, that's a hell of a pivot on my part, but home run records are so fascinating because they exist in an era of baseball that I don't remember. I grew up on baseball. I get excited for the baseball playoffs. I haven't watched a Padres game since the early days of Soto and Bell and when we made that fun Star Wars parody in August. And when the Padres start playing in the playoffs, I'm going to be right there watching them play. I'm going to get super excited to watch the Padres and whether it be the Mets or the Braves, I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to cover the shit out of every game. I'm going to be obnoxious and strident on this podcast talking about the Padres. Uh, And my relationship with baseball has changed. And so when I hear Aaron Judge hitting his 61st home run and it's talked about all week, I don't feel the urge or feel compelled to actually watch it exist. I can just watch the clip on Twitter and then reminisce in the history. And it feels like the the thing to do in the aftermath is to bask and appreciate the greatness of like this 120-year-old record that goes down. And as someone who finds history quite fascinating, I think that's really interesting. And that's the way that I can connect to the 61st home run is like within the construct of history, within the construct of this is a sport that goes back to the immigrant game of the early 1920s and extends into the 50s and 60s where uh, baseball becomes more of a blue collar type of game integration as the as the America's most national sport and reflecting the civil rights era and then baseball in the 80s and 90s following the the practices of the world at large and America at large which is this is about capitalism this is about economics you have uh, in 1987 a collusion lawsuit against the baseball owners which in 1994 leads to the season being canceled over a strike it follows the the story of America because sports reflect society and America's game certainly reflects uh, the growth and evolution of America all the way to the point now where baseball has been left behind by the entertainment changes of the world and the technological advances of the world and it was something that was inevitable because it's baseball you can't take the baseball out of baseball Uh, football was going to be more popular sport I think that there are other sports that um, will make baseball more interesting and are just collective belief in watching baseball doesn't exist anymore because the way television contracts are structured and our capacity to just watch sports in the first place you can't follow 17 sports so you gotta 
everyone's going to choose the NFL, I guess, and uh, then you're going to kind of pick and choose the sports that you follow as entertainment vessels because we just don't have time for all of it. On this podcast, we've chosen NFL, basketball, baseball, college football as the expertises that I can follow. And I mean, I can talk about boxing. I can talk about UFC. I can talk about tennis like we did yesterday with Razor on a surface level. Um, But I've chosen those sports and those are the ones that I will invest my time, energy, and effort into. I can talk about soccer. I can talk about macro-level conversations with golf. Um, but these are niche sports, and I don't have the expertise. And to be honest, a lot of people don't crave that expertise. And if you do, you're not going to this rinky-dink podcast. And so I'm not going to talk about the Aaron Judge home run other than within the, within the context of history, um, because otherwise I don't have a connection to it. I don't have a connection to this person who has a historic great season other than let's just appreciate the greatness Um, because even as much as he hits giant home runs, when we talk about the fun of the season, what baseball does is basically fill time and you get accustomed to teams and you get accustomed to storylines over a long season because there are no stakes to these games. With football, there are stakes to games because there's just less of them. I'm, I'm going to argue that there's less stakes than I used to think there were to regular season football. Because there's less games by that nature, every game is going to have more stakes and we can get invested in the storylines in a shorter term period. But for baseball, there are no stakes to the regular season. So what baseball wants to draw you into is storylines. And for me personally, as a 21st century Gen Z baseball fan... Much like a lot of stuff with baseball, the connection to Judge's 61st home run is great. It's appreciate greatness. I'm, I think that we should always appreciate greatness because 120 years worth of records have just been undone. Regardless of circumstance, it's still pretty cool. And it's something that baseball has decided they add value to. And so for me, 21st century Gen Z baseball fan, the only storyline that can draw me into Judge, whereas even the stakes themselves, like people had to wait Basically, 40 hours, if you count from when Judge hit the 60th home run, he played four games against Boston, two games against Toronto, and then the game here today. So if each baseball game takes three hours, you're talking about, say, if you're watching every baseball game, that's approximately three and a half hours of time. So you're basically committing 20 to 25 hours just to watch this judge home run, or you can take 30 seconds to watch it on Twitter. So like very few people were actually watching the home run itself. Judge was not able to drive ratings to baseball games other than like sports programming cutting in to broadcasts. Um, So the connection for me, if the storyline doesn't matter and the product itself is not something that makes it must watch other than seeing it as a clip on Twitter later, for me, the connection is the history. And like baseball, that's a lot of what baseball is, is talking about history. It's the oldest sport other than college football that exists within this American ethos of 20th century America that I didn't experience, yet I'm interested in history. I studied history in college in part, and so there's an interest there for me, and that's the connection that... I feel like a lot of people who are Gen Z 21st century baseball fans will connect to is either the historical aspect of the game or, in perhaps a more cynical sense for me, the tribalism of baseball, that you can pass down this story from grandfather to son, or sorry, grandfather or grandmother to father or daughter 
down to grandson or granddaughter or non-binary person. And that's a story that you can carry with you into whatever the next version of baseball is. And I know I'm kind of like waxing about this in a way that you can hear old people talk about, but that's the only connection I can find to what is a pretty cool historical, in the, in the construct of history of sport and history of great athletics, that's the connection as a Gen Z baseball fan I can find and make to the Aaron Judge home run record. This leads me into the B-block topic that I wanted to talk about, which is, speaking of Gen Z athletes, Trevor Lawrence, baby. Trevor Lawrence, who was born in 1999 and pretty close to the 2000 part of 1999. He was born October of 1999. Trevor Lawrence, my Gen Z superstar. And I love, I talked about this a year ago with Naomi Osaka, how I love that Gen Z superstars are starting to join the ethos of the sports lexicon and become stars themselves. Um, Trevor Lawrence is now another one in this mix as he was named Offensive Player of the Week for Week 3, combined with the fact that in Week 2 he was the best player in the NFL on short, best quarterback in the NFL on short to intermediate throws. First Jacksonville Jaguar to win AFC Offensive Player of the Week in 12 years. Trevor Lawrence has finally gotten the stability that he needs and deserves. And I just wanted to talk about some of the passing statistics for Trevor Lawrence today. I said on Monday that uh, I wanted to squeeze that in somewhere. And so uh, this is a good place to talk about Trevor Lawrence as he picks up, you know, with two games this year. Uh, the, the two games that he's played, he's been a great quarterback, five touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 77% completion percentage, over 500 yards, passer rating in the 119 range, which is MVP. He's been an MVP level quarterback for two weeks, which is obviously way too small of a sample size. But we had the sample size going back years and years that said Trevor Lawrence is going to be an incredibly good quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't lose. He lost one game in high school and lost one game in his first two years at Clemson. Trevor Lawrence lost two football games in his first seven years of playing organized football. And Trevor Lawrence is this generational quarterback prospect who people spent years tanking for. The Jacksonville Jaguars and New York Jets both spent years trying to get this prospect. And those prospects don't always turn into like superstar level good players. And at the same time, talent will always rise to the top over not having the same level of God-given talent. Like talent will rise to the top, especially in these fields. When you're someone who is number one at your thing in high school and in college up until when you can turn professional, if you're the number one consistently all the way through, there is very little evidence that says you will all of a sudden stop being good at this thing unless you just stop doing it. And you don't want to continue to be good at this thing, which is totally plausible. There are people all the time who are at the tops of their fields and then decide to quit that field and go pursue something else. Will they be as good at that that new thing as they were in whatever they were succeeding at before maybe maybe not and at the same time life dictates that you should do the thing that brings you value more than whatever else you're doing and if that means monetary value if that means joy and pride in your work or any sort of feeling or emotional value whether it's serotonin or oxytocin or whatever else you you choose uh, with your life of course you should pursue that thing and trevor lawrence 
It's the same argument I made for Chet Holmgren in the draft. Like, that player is going to hit. What the Jaguars got with that number one pick is a quarterback for the next 10 years. I was having this conversation with uh, my brother a little bit ago, and he's like, uh, this was back in week two uh, before Trevor Lawrence went off the last two weeks, and he was saying, well, would you want Trevor Lawrence still now? And I'm like, I want him exactly as much as I would have wanted him in 2021 because you can toss out that first-year sample size for Trevor Lawrence. It was the most unstable organizational, I guess the, the most unstable level of protection for such a talent. Like Trevor Lawrence would have been able to overcome that in the long run it just needs you to not get in his way as catastrophically badly as Urban Meyer was. And that coaching staff with Daryl Bevel, I like Kevin Clark called it the Bishop Sycamore coaching staff. You just need people who are competent to build a structure that will allow him to be the best version of himself, which the best version of Trevor Lawrence just by himself will be a very, very good quarterback. What will make Trevor Lawrence one of the greatest quarterbacks ever is an, a stability that is well run, an organization that supports and helps grow a very, very talented player, like what the Kansas City Chiefs have done with Patrick Mahomes. The Kansas City Chiefs have an incredibly strong organizational culture. Andy Reid has built an incredibly strong team of coaches, and he himself has the football knowledge, and from what we know about Andy Reid, behaves like a leader first and a coach second and recognizes the role that he has to be a leader of a group and, and overwhelmingly men, a leader of a group before and, and have people look to him as a follower and someone who does things that are good and doesn't expect anything in return because it's the right thing to do and has the courage to do the right thing. And Trevor Lawrence, who is this incredible, incredible athlete, Trevor Lawrence had instability going back to the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm thinking back to when Trevor Lawrence lost the national championship game against LSU and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Derek Stingley and the like 10 first round picks that were on that LSU team. After Trevor Lawrence lost that championship game, you had COVID-19 pandemic begins, which creates instability all across college coaching staffs and instability across college football because you have to shut everything down and we all go inside. Okay, everyone in lockdowns for three months. Then you come out of those lockdowns and you have the summer of George Floyd, where you have in every major city in the United States protests breaking out about uh, the injustices of systemic racism, white uh, dismantling white power and white privilege, and in a place that is you know would be regarded as the Deep South, you have this quarterback in a college town who is being front facing during these protests and being a leader. And because he's the face of college football at this time, it then becomes a larger motion where you're seeing the politics of college football, which lean incredibly conservative. And Trevor Lawrence is the white quarterback with gold flowing haired locks who everyone wants to throw money at to represent their company. Trevor Lawrence could do what Drew Brees does, does what Peyton Manning was. And you could argue that during the summer of George Floyd, the easy thing to do would be to stand and protest, especially in a college town like Clemson. Uh, where Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Swinney kind of stepped in it because Dabo Swinney is not exactly the most, uh, he's a very religious conservative figure 
And Dabo Swinney is someone who has kind of stepped in it in the past when it comes to uh, talking about black players and talking about uh, racial injustice and talking about just labor getting some sort of compensation equal to what he's making. And Dabo Swinney has stepped in that in the past and he kind of Trevor Lawrence got more of the coverage around that, which kind of protected the administration of Clemson because Trevor Lawrence would be the person standing as a leader on behalf of these black teammates against 80% of college football teams are black. I don't know what the exact demographics of, of Clemson were at the time, that football team that year. And so you add that into the mix combined with the fact Trevor Lawrence was playing through the COVID season and he got COVID himself in October of 2020 and missed a game for Clemson and had that disruption in the middle of the season, a season that was already neutered because, yes, the ACC was playing a full schedule, but is a COVID season, and Clemson had a transitional phase within the program in the middle of a pandemic. And so combined with Trevor Lawrence getting COVID, combined with the fact that Clemson got smoked out of the playoff that year by Ohio State, you have a little bit of instability there because the entire goal of the 2020 season, I forgot one more thing. Remember in September of 2020, when they announced the season was going to happen, we did multiple podcasts and it was the talk of sports radio. Should Trevor Lawrence just sit out the 2020 season? He will be the number one pick no matter what. He will make $30 million. What incentive does he have to return to Clemson other than to compete for the national championship, which is what Trevor Lawrence cited when he returned to Clemson. It's like he had nothing to gain and only something to lose, although I argue even if he got hurt, he would have been the top pick in the NFL draft. He only had to lose and had nothing to gain from going back to Clemson, and he made that call, and and obviously it was a decision that I think people who are invested in labor the way I am may have told him something different. And at the same time, that's what brought Trevor Lawrence value. And so then he gets to Jacksonville. We know what happened last year in Jacksonville, just absolute clusterfuck. And Trevor Lawrence had more interceptions than touchdowns because he had no offensive line, no team, and a coach who didn't know what he was doing and lost the respect of the team by week four because he wouldn't stand up and admit the fact that he was at a at his restaurant and getting caught, uh, getting a little handsy with women in a way that's really gross and really improper. Not because like it wasn't consensual, but because it's Urban Meyer and we know about all the gross shit that exists in Urban Meyer's past. And so he loses the respect of the Jaguars. The team's totally unstable. Daryl Bevel's an awful coach. They tried to hire the racist strength coach at Iowa, and it was one of the greatest calamities I've ever witnessed when it comes to a coaching staff. And everything that's happening to Russell Wilson right now kind of reflects that same path that Trevor Lawrence was on, where everything is going to shit, and when everything is so unstable and you're battling injuries and you have players fighting Urban Meyer and the coaching staff like Marvin Jones did... Like everything's going to shit. Of course, it's going to look unstable. Of course, you're going to have the, you're the worst team in the NFL. They got the number one pick in the draft again. And everything you could toss out there, as soon as they gave Trevor Lawrence stability, you're seeing what it's starting to look like. And we're going to need 15 to 20 more games of sample size to know what Trevor Lawrence is going to look like. But Trevor Lawrence has started as many games as Tua up to this point, and you could throw out last year and say this is the beginning of Trevor Lawrence's career, and so therefore we only have a two-game sample size, but we knew what Trevor Lawrence was before. This isn't a Davis Mills situation where Davis Mills 
could be on the best team in the NFL and he still could never look like Trevor Lawrence because Davis Mills was projected to be a third round pick and Trevor Lawrence was number one player in high school, number one player in college, had a Heisman Trophy taken away from him, but number one player in college and number one pick in the NFL draft. That usually does not turn into Davis Mills unless everyone was doing the evaluations incorrectly, which in the modern times, you're going to hit on so many more of those. As long as you just give them stability, they will be great. And if you give them the strength and empower them to be the best versions of themselves with a strong organizational culture and putting people in positions to succeed, hiring good people, which is something the Jaguars are not known to do. But if you do that, it can be something special. Because everyone agrees Trevor Lawrence had more talent than Patrick Mahomes coming out of college. Everyone agrees he had as much, if not more, talent than Josh Allen. Had as much talent, if not more, than Russell Wilson. Had more talent than the best quarterbacks you can point to in the NFL. And if you give someone a position to succeed and they hold the the talent and possible work ethic to achieve those goals, it's going to be great. And if you empower them, it will be something special. And I'm really interested to see what this becomes in Jacksonville, because Jacksonville has a quarterback for a decade. I don't need any sample size beyond what we already know to say that. Like, Trevor Lawrence could play average starting quarterback football for the next three years, and the Jaguars are still betting on he's going to turn into something great. The Lions bet on Matthew Stafford for 11 years. He made one Pro Bowl in 11 years. The Lions were organizationally a dumpster fire and still are and they still kept betting on Matthew Stafford the Jaguars will keep betting on Trevor Lawrence they have a quarterback for a decade let's see them enable him uh, I'm sorry uh, empower him in order to have it turn into something special and something possibly beyond great because what we've seen so far to start the year is beyond great and I know it's a small sample size but we have seven plus years of sample size that says Trevor Lawrence is quite possibly the most talented quarterback prospect of a generation. And that could be something really special and really fun to watch. I try not to tear people down. I try to be very, you know, that nuance thing you talked about, be, you know, very informative, not, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, tabloidy. Try to be, yeah, you do you know, like one that. minute scripted shows that have like 30 minutes of research behind it. It's not like you're getting yeah. on like, remember that dude after Kevin Durant made the the Ronnie 2K thing who like got on the video for like 90 seconds and just started like Kevin Durant, here's why you're not a 99. And he did it like three minutes. Yeah. Like, it's not like that. You're putting like 30 minutes of research into a lot of these videos. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the point I'm trying to get at is that like, is that like social media, if they want this to go away these platforms need to prioritize not, not trying to say like, you know, Oh, I need to blow up. That's not really what I mean. Just mm-hmm. they need to prioritize my type of content. It's, it's obvious. I put time into it when these other people don't, you can just tell like when people just are throwing blind accusations, how do they do that? How does social media do that? I have no idea. They, they, there, there's a reason why they're, they're making billions and I'm making nothing <laughs> because they're a lot smarter than me. But I mean, no one knows what's going to go viral. As long as it goes viral on your platform, they're good. Like companies spend millions of dollars trying to figure out what's going to go viral and you just can't do it because how could anyone think that a dude on a skateboard drinking like pomegranate juice would go would be the most viral thing in the world? Like it's totally unpredictable. And like 
if like the fact that Jackson and Brittany Mahomes go viral is the reason that they now are part of the discourse when it comes to Patrick Mahomes entire legacy. Like the, the people will talk about that within the context of Mahomes's legacy just because oh, yeah. videos of them go viral and they have his same last name. Okay. Yeah. So, so that is 1000% my initial point. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to Patrick Mahomes. It's just yeah. not like it's, he has it's done so, nothing wrong. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's so dumb that I laugh at it, where I'm just like, it's funny comically, but it's also depressing at the same time that it's like, it's gotten to such a place where this is part of the discord around Patrick Mobs. And obviously Skip Bayless is going to traffic and hate all the time. Like though, though it's no, just expected not. at a certain point, but like, thank you for bringing that up. I think Skip Bayless needs to go away. Actually, I mean this, like, and I'm not trying to tell you, like, you know, I'm without getting into a huge other conversation, you know, like mm-hmm. the Andrew Tate guy getting deleted off the internet. Like, I am like very that really scares me that people can get deleted from the internet just because of like whether you agree with them or not. I just think that's wild. Skip it. How can Skip? If you're gonna play that game, how is Skip Bayless allowed? He completely BSs everything. He doesn't. He just he 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 creates rumors, and now it's mm-hmm. funny. So she may think it's funny. And that's embarrassing, I think. Skip Bayless Skip Bayless is very much give the people what they want guy, and his P1s want what I like to call sports propaganda, where it's like you believe what you want to believe about sports. If you want to believe LeBron chokes every single time he plays, go to Skip Bayless. If you want to believe that this thing is true about the Cowboys, go for it. Like he traffics in what I call sports propaganda, which is being told what you want to hear instead of being told what is actual, like grounded in fact sports, which is fair enough. He has a large audience for it. And Stephen A. Smith traffics in some of this, even though Stephen A. Smith still has some of his like journalism credo to it, but like, Skip Bayless traffics in sports propaganda of like people want to believe West Brick just is the worst player in the NBA. Like there's an yeah, audience for like, that. Like he, yeah, he traffics okay, so, in that and does it well. Like the Westbrook thing is another one. Like it's so unfair. What is happening to Westbrook? I no longer think is funny. Like I don't yeah. even. At first, I thought it was cute. I thought. A long time ago, I felt this way about Westbrook, the way they kind of treat him now, like, just, like, he kind of, he's, like, overrated, whatever. The way that the, the LA Lakers, I think it's more of a Lakers problem than a Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook problem. They are the most toxic fans in the history of the world. I, I don't even think there's even a fan base that's close to how poisoned they are. Maybe, maybe, like, the, the hate around the Cowboys, I would say that that's probably, like, another one. But mm-hmm. man, if you do bad on the on the Lakers, you get treated like you're a piece of dog bleep, dude. Like I just, it's not it's even unfair. that they, it's not even that they treat you like dog bleep because I mean you can say shit on this show, but like it, it doesn't sorry, even sorry. matter okay. that. No, you're good. You can curse on this, but it it doesn't even matter if they treat you like dog shit. It's formulaic now. Lakers fans have a formula for this shit. They pick one player every year who underperforms, and then they make him out to be the worst player in the world. It's la- it's not even like toxic. It's lazy now. 2019, it was Kyle Kuzma. Remember when Kyle Kuzma was getting all that shit the first year that LeBron was yeah, there? Catavius yeah. Caldwell Pope, and then what was that other guy's name? 2020, yeah, Danny other- Green. And then yeah, and then another guy, uh, uh, Dennis uh, Schroeder. Matthews. 
Yeah, Dennis yep. Schroeder. Wes, Wes Matthews, Matthews got it. For a little bit. Yep. And then, what was the other guy? Ah, uh, uh, Tucker. Um, Taylor Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker? Taylor Horton Tucker. He, this overtime, these pieces of shit fucking sports being clutch points, pieces of shit, dude. They're not news. Before mm-hmm. the season, they're talking about him being a superstar. He sucks. Oh, this I'm is sorry. also part of the Lakers formula. The Lakers formula is we're going to hold up the 10th guy on the bench and overinflate his value while crapping on the fourth best player on the team who's underperforming. Talon Horton Tucker's somehow been both because Talon Horton Tucker was the young guy that they held up as value. And then he was the guy who they shit on because he was underperforming. And Caruso was the beloved guy. Then it was Talon Horton Tucker. Now it's Austin Reeves. Like it just, they, they find the one guy, usually a white guy, not always a white guy, but usually the white guy on the bench and they hold him up. And then if he doesn't do well, they crap on him. Yeah. Yeah, It's a cute little story. Like, even though I do think that, um, Caruso actually is like a decent little player. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think he's actually like a little bit better than I once thought he he was. But he was a G league guy. He looks like he's 40 years old. Jared Dudley was that guy too. Remember Jared Dudley was beloved by like, like it, they're lazy. Now they're not only toxic, they're lazy. They're just doing the same thing every year with different players. And, and just because you watch the game doesn't mean that you can act like this. Like I, I cannot stand Lakers fans, bro. I can't stand them. They treat dude. Like, and then they want to be like, Oh, Boston fans are racist, dude. Like all this dude, shut up. You treat your team so – do Boston fans – like, yes, do I think that Jalen Brown is a little unfairly treated in Boston? Yes, yes, but it's sports, bro. We're treating with sports. You guys absolutely flame people. Danny Green literally probably committed like, – like, potentially was like like suicidal – the they ran they up. ran Danny Green out of Los Angeles after a championship, and then they brought in the Dennis dude, Schroeder and ran him out of Los Angeles. Danny Green is on the list. He's won three championships with different teams. The guys, I'm like, I, dude, I hate Lakers fans. I'm sorry, I I hate them, dude. And they're all and like, I don't want to generalize, but a a lot of them. It's a lot of Laker fans. It's a lot of Laker because Lakers fans start to drink their own Kool-Aid. I will say that there are people I know who are totally reasonable people, totally reasonable people. They start to drink the Kool-Aid of the Laker fandom because that's how Lakers fans build community. And part of the reason is Lakers fans are losers. We've been losers. I mean, I was I grew up a Lakers fan. We've been losers my entire life. Like Kobe Bryant was nine when they won the championship. They've made one playoff. I mean, they've won one playoff series since 2010. And it was that year they went to the playoffs. So I guess they won three playoff series. That's the only year they've won a playoff series since 2011. Like Lakers fans don't know how to be losers. Well, they behave like losers. Is, another thing is too, is that like, I think it's actually an interesting point because like, for example, Lakers fans, like, like they, I don't know many Lakers fans per, because they're from Boston, right? Yeah. So yeah. all, so that's also the problem when you say like, oh, generalize, generalize, generalize. Do I think it, that's unfair? Absolutely. Like, I actually think it's kind of BS that I like actually, even a second ago, I said that, but I didn't really mean that, right? Yeah. You're talking about that's Lakers fans pro- on Twitter. You're talking about Lakers yes. fans on Twitter. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing, dude. That's the problem. Even I do it. We generalize fucking everything, everything, bro. Everything is generalized, and that's like, like and that's part of the problem. 
because like the Lakers fans, we're lazy. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. like the Laker fans, we're lazy in our stereotypes. And Lakers fans, again, it's I I I've marveled at this over the past few years that it's a formula. I've seen it enough times now that the Lakers fans are like, we're gonna have a white guy on the bench who we hold up as a great story, and we're gonna think he's worth two first round picks. Be, like Caruso. Yep, he's next on the list. Don't don't you wait, Austin. If Austin oh. Reeves plays bad this year, it's Mac McClung. Just... I, I I actually made a video about that, saying I thought <laughs> Mac McClung was going to be the next because like it's just it. I am okay. I so I once called myself a casual basketball fan, and mm-hmm. what I mean by casual, I'm not like the X's and O's guy. I know all the you know. I'm really I know what I'm talking about when it comes to, like the game. Yeah, my wife saw Mac McClung. And literally said, "Oh, he grew hair," and she literally <laughs> thought he was out. <laughs> That's and perfect. I, it, isn't that exactly what we're talking about? It's. I mean, she doesn't know that the whole Lakers thing, but like, that's the point. It's yeah, just the same narrative, no matter what. Pretty much, there's. It's pretty much exactly that. They've also got a second round pick named Max Christie, who. It doesn't look exactly like these dudes, but he's second round pick who they're going to overinflate his value this year. Watch out for him. Uh, I think I think that guy this year is Juan Toscano Anderson. Juan T is going to be that guy who's beloved oh by Laker God. fans. He, when he got signed there, bro, he is going to either be a god or they're going to drag his ass out of L.A. and pitchforks. Legitimately, he's not going to play. I, I mean, they did this to Ken. I mean, Kendrick Nunn's back this year, but they did this to Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn didn't play, and they dragged him like oh, they oh, dragged oh. Westbrook. Malik, Malik Monk. They, they literally like because uh, he had he was so inconsistent that they they didn't know what to do with him. Mm-hmm. But they acted like he was a god too. Yep. And then he left, and they were like, "Oh my god, how are we ever going to replace Malik Monk?" He, I'm like, dude, he's the seventh man on Sacramento. Like, come on, let's not do that with Malik Monk. It, like, he's fine. It's, like, I, just, yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm good with him. Like, he's fine. Yeah, like, Lakers like, fans I'm, were I'm, just like, fine. how are we ever going to possibly replace Malik Monk? I'm like, I don't know, dude, literally sign anyone, and you'll figure literally, it out. <laughs> literally Austin Reeves, literally just yeah, put like, Austin Reeves in there. Yeah, dude. All in all. The stare, the stare, the, the storylines are so annoying. And you know what it's, the problem yeah. is? Is that I, I as a content creator, if I want to grow my platform, I legitimately almost have to do these stories. So what I do now is I talk about them, but in more of like a casual light. I'll yeah, say like. And- if there are people who are listening, check out DSD Sports on TikTok. Like he, he does really good stuff. Like check out these videos about stuff like this. Like check it out. Because I try really hard to like act like like okay. What I do is I'll play along the lines of this is what social media is saying. I play it like that, and and mm-hmm. whether it's fair or not. And at the end of the video, I usually give my nuance on it. Where I'm like that's unfair. Or, Come on, guys, or whatever. But like. Overall, I want my content to be light. I want it to be like you watch it, you don't really feel you feel like happy, you don't really feel you feel happy, kind of sad. But I don't want you to leave the video where you're like overwhelmed with like hate, mean, mad. Like you should just watch my content because it just I am a guy. Yeah, you're not aggregating videos. 
bro, I'm making a minute videos for social media. I don't take myself too too, too seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know, man. No, I know what you mean. Like, you're you're very specific about the videos you're making. They're more like they're fun stories, but let's do a deeper dive on this. And every now and then, it's going to be like, oh my god, look what this absolute dumbass did, or look yeah, what Jake Paul but, did, or I don't know. But you know what's funny though? Even when I say that, I'm kind of like, in a way, not like being like. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like the way I'm critical of people is just not the same critical as everyone else, if that makes any sense. No, for sure. Like, remember, uh, I, I don't remember. It was like a week or so ago. Remember when you made that Patrick Beverly video that was like Patrick Beverly yeah. called it when it was like, like, under what circumstances would there ever be a reason to talk about Patrick Beverly if Never. he weren't just he absolutely Lakers. fucking hated on the Internet? Yeah. Or loved goes either way. I love Patrick Beverly now because, like, Patrick yeah. Beverly baffles like me because, like, yeah, Patrick Beverly's this story that we all say we love about sports. Like, goes to three different countries to play, then starts as the twelfth man on the Rockets bench, then becomes the backup, then gets a new contract, then gets traded to I the Clippers. On, is he on his third contract? What contract? I don't know. He's I mean, he's kind of old now. He's in like his his mid thirties, and it's like I want to say he's. I think he's on his fourth contract, bro. And like that's amazing, especially because he started out playing in Europe for, for like three different teams and the yeah, G like, League, in, like, the, and, uh, yeah, like the Ukraine League or so, something like that, yeah, bro. Like, it's like legit, like like some like check like some Czech League or something dead ass. But these are the stories that we all claim we love. Like, maybe we don't actually care that much about, like, the rags to riches story. But, like, when Patrick Beverly was chucking the, the jersey and crying with Everyone the Timberwolves, fun of him, yeah. that was my favorite moment of the entire basketball season. Because By the I, way, which is why, that's why I love J.J. Redick. Yeah. Because he was like, what are you guys talking about? He should be pumped. I mean, truthfully, was he a little bit dramatic? Yeah. But that's what Patrick Beverly is. That's like what that's what makes him so great. But the guy the, is kind of a pain in the ass. I love him. The reason that's excellent is I grew up rooting for the Padres. They didn't make the playoffs in my entire childhood. The Lakers didn't make the playoffs for like the eight years that I actually rooted for them. And now I'm a Sacramento Kings fan because I live here and cover the team. Like I love losers. Yeah, Minnesota sucks. They're fucking terrible. They're losers. Do you know how great it is that they won that series or that game against the Clippers? The team that cut Patrick Beverly and he got the oh, game winning steal to knock him. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, he should throw yeah. his jersey. And Anthony Edwards is so much fun. Like, oh, okay. Can, can we? So I, I want to say really quick. Anthony I, Edwards is my favorite player in the NBA. Is that is that a fair take? It's so I he's not my favorite, but damn if he isn't one of my favorites. He's like so okay, okay, like great. Like he gives me a Jimmy Butler feel. I love him. I Dude, love him. I'd go beyond that. Like like maybe over time he'll like they'll they'll end up like making him say less interesting shit, but oh my god, he's so I mean Let's also say this. Anthony Edwards also said some really messed up shit the other day. I want to just put that out there. Like, I'm not saying like Anthony Edwards is going to get caught doing bad shit all the time because he says a lot and eventually they'll probably rein him in because he will say slurs on the Internet that are really messed up and want to put that out there first and foremost. But it's so great to have someone who just is 
a personality in basketball because the best teams know. I mean, you 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 make videos of Tyreek Hill. Like Tyreek Hill never said anything interesting in Kansas City. Dude, and now he nothing. says Bro, so he says much everything. Stuff. Yeah, dude, Tom Brady. Tom Brady left the New England Patriots and said more in the first two months than he said in the entire time he's in New England. I mean, like it's unbelievable, and that's a good dude. Tyreek Hill's a great one. He won't shut up now. I love him. Keep talking, bro. I I want to make. Vi- I have another video on my freaking phone that I'm going to make a video today about him. He he literally said that he saw Tom Brady run on the field and uh, for the first time he was a rookie and he wanted to be and he was like, damn, I wish I was, I was on his team. Like, dude, just keep talking, dude. I love it. And we never got any of that. Never. I mean, part of it was that he was like going through legal drama in Kansas City and Kansas yeah. City's like, oh, we can't put this guy near a microphone. Another, because... By the way, another thing, another thing. I'm happy you brought that up. I feel like that never gets talked about either. Even though he's like a, a piece of whatever, but conversation for a different day. You, you know, like, yeah, that he's been arrested twice for beating up his girlfriend and breaking his child's arm. Yes, we yeah. do not talk about that enough with Tyree Kill. Well, we that's, just, that's another thing with football. Like, this is also another problem. This is my this is my problem, even with me. I am so sick of the hate and the negativity of everyone. So I get caught up where I just ignore the stuff, and that is scary because there's so much of it that dude, I have to literally yeah. say. I want to just watch it play football. I don't care about anything else. Almost like the shut up and dribble thing. But like, that's not what I actually mean. I just don't know how to escape it. You know what I'm saying? Like, these that's guys why are I, savages. Yeah. That's why I lean into it, but I still make mistakes. All- Hell, I just did the mistake with Anthony Edwards. I forgot that Anthony Edwards had a scandal a couple weeks ago where he's dropping like homophobic even, slurs. Can I be honest? I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I didn't even hear Oh, oh, wait, you don't. Oh, oh, um, let me find it exactly correct. Uh, Anthony. So Anthony Edwards, I, I think it was last weekend. On that, I, I literally have not. I, I haven't even seen anything on that. Uh, let me. So basically, Anthony Edwards posted a story on his uh, Instagram last weekend where he was like out on a Saturday night or Friday night or something. And he like films these like five guys who are standing in a circle and he like zooms in and then says effing and then a, a gay slur. And oh, Jesus. And then he Dude, had to apologize. And then he had to apologize the next day. And the Timberwolves decided there wasn't going to be punishment. And uh, I, I don't think the NBA is going to do anything about it. How did I miss that? I didn't see that at all. Yeah. It. it uh, yeah. I cut. Let me just. Um, no. No. It's fine. Like. 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 We could do it out there. But. Uh. Yeah. L- long story short. Like. That's a perfect example of that, bro. Like. I. I. I'm just trying to live my life, bro. And that's why I think some. Sometimes we forget that these athletes are human beings and they yeah. have, and they do dumb things. They do good things and they do awesome things and they do all these things, you know? And that's where we get caught up as people. We're like, you know, this is MF or, you know, it's a beast, bad person, you know, Patrick Mahomes. We have to find something bad about him because he's so great. And then you get guys like Tyree kill who is kind of a bad dude. And no one talks about it. It there's definitely double standards on like several conversations. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I actually never because, even thought of that anymore. Because right as now. long as no, I talk about this all the time. Like as long as people play well, I made this mistake too when Terry Kill got traded. I'm like, oh shit, I need a 15 minute A block. Let's talk about the Terry Kill trade. And I was like, oh my god, I forgot that Terry Kill while he was. He got kicked out of Oklahoma State for being arrested for beating up his girlfriend and then got suspended during the offseason. Wasn't off he the season. guy that beat up a cop, too, or is that, is that not him? 
uh i don't think i don't think that's him that could but, not, that could not be true but but i know but, he had a prominent college where he got kicked out of college yeah so that. so he got kicked out of oklahoma state because he was arrested for beating up his girlfriend and then he went to west alabama he was going to be a second round pick and he fell to the fifth round and kansas city took him knowing that he had this in his past and then he Bro, turns into a thing. superstar these, these guys all fall dude you know why the patriots were able to get uh, aaron hernandez mm-hmm. where he was because yeah. he was a bad dude they knew he was a bad dude. I mean, they did not know <laughs> what he, you know, turned into. But yeah, sure. That's- Dak, Dak Prescott was a know- third round pick because he had a DUI in college. He was a first round prospect. Do you know why? Do you know why Antonio Brown fell so far to the, uh-huh. to the Steelers? Like, dude, the, the NFL plays like, oh, we're all about the social justice and all this. But if a player can play, anti. Is if Antonio Brown could still play the sport, he'd be in the NFL right now. I'm yeah, telling you. it's it's a it's a corporation. They want to have it both ways, and that people will give them money because they f- they front face that they are the Enye FAL when they do Hispanic Heritage <laughs> Month, and they want to front yeah, yeah, that. I, uh, I, I actually saw that. They want to put end racism in the end zone over an end zone that literally says Chiefs in it. They want to they want to yeah. do that, and they want to. Um, they want to have it both ways. And then at the same time, it's about making money first and foremost. And that's, it's just, it's corporate culture. Like corporate centricism well, so, is. So here's the thing though. Statements. I don't have a problem with it. As long, yes. Just admit it. Just yes. Don't, that's a don't great, lie. that's a great way of phrasing it. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't act like you were, don't, don't, don't people don't forget. They were against Colin Kaepernick. Neely. Now they like, are still are still are. But I, they are or they're not they're owners like, owners are owners won't yeah, sign exactly. him fair, roger goodell fair, fair. wants colin kaepernick in the league and he can't do anything about it because colin kaepernick has basically settled his lawsuit with the nfl and they paid but, him reportedly but that's the point i'm trying dollars. to get that's the point i'm trying to get at they only do what what they pick with the popular opinion that, that's kind of my point my, like I, not anything specific but you know what i'm saying yes they Co- yes, colin they move Con- yes move with the tide they move with the tide and then when a secret video with michael thomas and patrick mahomes shows up on the internet then all of a sudden roger goodell has to do a hostage video from his basement saying that we support black lives matter yes yeah like the the nfl will move with with the money and then tom brady deflates footballs quote-unquote and gets freaking hammered like it's just so wild to me it it's so wild to me bro i think i'm roger goodell is a freaking idiot but do i yeah. this is the problem people forget this too dude roger goodell is not even a human being he doesn't have his own thoughts he is a puppet for the other owners everyone's like oh robert well, Kraft, what a great guy <laughs> this dude's this dude's telling him what to do get yeah. out of here with that miss me with that roger goodell has his own like if you know about roger goodell he specifically when people were coming after him for the Kaepernick stuff, like he made sure that his own like operation was in line. Like Roger Goodell is very good with like diverse hiring and trying to do the right thing. He also has to, he works for the owners. Thus there's only so much he can do and still keep his job. Like did, did you see Adam Silver's statement um, after Sarver's suspension came down? And yeah, he's like, so, so yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand that. Like so, like this is this is like an actual question. Like I'm not even like being like sarcastic. Yeah. How? I mean, obviously it's very different. Like I, it's apples and oranges. But how was he able to remove the Clippers owner, but not the Suns owner? Was it just that much worse? Oh, like I don't understand. So, 
I did a full podcast on it if you want like a 40 minute breakdown, but like okay, the two yeah. minute br- the two minute breakdown is that basically the other owners wanted Donald Sterling out because oh, okay, Donald okay. Sterling so, so they, so they had a yeah, they had a pattern of behavior in which like he was very clearly racist. He had these like weird like white shirt parties where he would parade around the players like they were his property and uh, yeah, okay, the way okay. the way he made his money was um basically like redlining black people out of Los Angeles and yeah, just had this whole pattern of embarrassing behavior in the past. So it's obviously the- like it, it's more it, it but all in all it, it it's, it's because it made the owners look bad. That's why they wanted him out. The owners would they didn't have to go that far, but the owners would have supported his forced removal if it's a batshit story like his wife who basically like got it declared that he had like he was not mentally well to run the team like basically sold the team behind his back. If that hadn't happened, the league would have forced him to sell because they had the support of the owners to force him out. I mean, not Mark Cuban, but every other owner basically had the support and lo and behold, Mark Cuban had his own scandal of having a really toxic workplace and hiring some people who were very predatory. That's that's what I'm saying, bro. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, like I don't, I like, I like, I cannot stand when I hear people like Mark Cuban hitting me with what's wrong. What's right, dude. Everyone has skeletons in their closet. So I don't want to miss me with that. Miss me with but the that, higher level bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's why they won't take teams away because they're petrified of their own. Like you have to do something really bad. Like uh, Donald Sterling was caught on tape, but it was also like lazy racism. Like Jerry Richardson. I don't know if you know the story about the Panthers owner. If you don't like the NFL did its job really well. If you don't know about what happened with Jerry Richardson and the Panthers. Uh, to be honest, I don't. So, so basically he sold his team a few years ago to that Teppers guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Richardson was willing to be a team player and just sell the team instead of having it go public and like file lawsuits and stuff. Oh, but, because because he was going to get freaking destroyed. Probably. Oh, he I mean, he had some gross me too stuff in there, like asking like the stuff that got Andrew Cuomo gone plus plus like he had that type of stuff in his like Jesus. working for the Panthers, like like creepy, like forcing, like touching people, asking for massages, having one of those like Matt Lauer buttons at his desk, possibly like he had some stuff like that, that he was willing to go away and take one for the team instead of like airing his grievances out in public, like what's happening with Dan Snyder. So basically, basically the NFL went to him and said, Hey, you do not want this. Just the, 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 the NFL, the NFL amicable. told him, yeah, the NFL told him we, we, we want to remove you. And he was willing to just take one for the team to make it go away and sold the team and got his $2 billion or two and a half billion dollars. And they, as part of the condition, they had to take down the statue of him with the giant Panther balls. And that's not up at the stadium anymore because yeah it didn't go public i mean it some of it went public because there was like journalism that was done about it but like we don't know all the details because he just went away without having an investigation or having it litigated in public like he just kind of quietly went away kind of like donald sterling but donald sterling it all happened in public and it's this moment that we all remember but when jerry richardson sold the team basically by force it was kind of like no one talked about it Jesus, man, that, um, but that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I find it really hard to believe and it's really upset with me 
it really i'm I, sorry it's sorry wrong terminology it, it doesn't sit yeah. well with me when i hear people trying to trying to tell me like what's wrong and what's right when like literally like one of the chief among them mark cuban was trying to tell us all this stuff and now he's like dude i just like i just like don't believe anyone anymore and that's just like mm-hmm. really sad but that's the same point i was talking about with silver like silver said the quiet part out loud because he was like relatively transparent when he was at his interview but it was bad for business and like silver can only do that so much without the owners removing him because he makes them look bad like ultimately uh, him and Goodell work for the owners. And so there's only so much Goodell can do well, when it also, comes to like punishing owners or letting Colin also Kaepernick added in the to lead. This, people also, people also didn't realize how well the, the owner set up Adam Silver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They made him look like a God. They said, all right, we're going to remove him and we're going to give We're going to give you the power. We're going to say, okay, you, cause it, that was his first decision he ever made as a, as a mm-hmm. um, commissioner, and that do people were literally acting like he was the god, and it it worked. I mean, not only was Adam Sandler like, uh, not only was Adam Silver like a great great commissioner, but he still was like the assist, like deputy commissioner for like fifteen years when like the shady shady stuff was going on. So like, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's. I just like everyone has their own stuff, man. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, he was David Stern's hand-picked guy, and he's got a different leadership style than David Stern, and he can always be removed any time by the owners because he works for them. And you know, it worked for it worked for Donald Sterling, and when it's Mark Cuban and Robert Sarver and all the evidence is piled up against them, it's not enough to remove their team or force them to sell because Robert Sarver only got caught sending the N-word in an email. And it's not on tape. And we know well, he's... Well, at the end of the day, end of the day, I can tell you for an absolute certainty that um, the uh, uh, NBA would never remove Mark Cuban. He's too much. He, he means he's too, he's too important to them. I mean, I would argue that, but it, uh, what's most important other than what like value he brings is do the other owners like him? Because if Mark Cuban, well, I mean, I don't think well, Mark Cuban's going to help negotiate on the deals. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I could be wrong. For though. sure, I could be wrong. No, no, you're totally right. It's just Mark Cuban is well liked. I believe. I mean, not well liked. Mark Cuban is liked among NBA owners. If he had a personal scandal that rocked him the way that, like, hiring a team president that, like, people in the organization said, don't ever get in an elevator with him. Like if it were worse than that, like maybe Mark Cuban would be forced to sell, but he already survived the scandal without like really ever, bro. I mean, like obviously public perception of him changed, but no real. You know what's funny, bro? I don't think it really did in a way because I, you know, I I don't want to say I'm like an expert or, but like as a dude for a job, you know what I mean? It's my thing, Mm -hmm. dude. I barely even think about it still. Like and I do it every single day. What do you think about the actual people who don't eat? I bet you. I bet you if I ask my parents about it, who like kind of follow sports, don't really know. They didn't even hear about it. That, yeah, no, you're probably right. It, He's still so it's Shark like, Tank guy who's doing podcasts with Adam Gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone treats him like he's like I don't know. I don't know, man. I just think that like so. Like another good example, the Timberwolves thing was that was damage control. I am in the industry. I didn't even hear about that. The perfect example. Oh my god! It got... wasn't even good damage control. Did you see the statement the Timberwolves made after the Anthony Edwards slur? They oh, didn't yeah, even so, no, mention. I, so I didn't. They didn't even. I, I. Yeah, they didn't even mention the LGBTQ community in their statement. 
they didn't even like apologize for it. They're just like, we did condone this behavior and we stand for inclusiveness at the Timberwolves. Like they did, they did a lazy statement and it went away because I don't know, like it was not a hugely viral video. It was just Anthony Edwards posted it on his Instagram. Well, I also like the, the point I, without actually knowing what they said, but my, my overall point was just that they got ahead of it so fast before anything really happened. And apparently they didn't do a good enough job, but, Overall, which is that like that's the most important thing about these things, just being ahead of it. That like yeah. So the NBA did the NBA make a statement the, uh, about Anthony Edwards? I'm not sure. Um, I know the Timberwolves did, but I don't know if the NBA made a statement. Um, Anthony Edwards made a statement where he's like, "I was not raised to." Um, here, here's oh, Anthony you know Edwards' statement. I, no, I did see that tweet, and I never really, I didn't put two and two together what that was. Yeah. So Anthony Edwards said, what I said was immature, hurtful, disrespectful. I'm incredibly sorry. It's unacceptable. Again, also didn't mention who he's sorry to. It's unacceptable for me or anyone to use that language in a hurtful way. No excuse for it at all. I was raised better than that. So again, didn't mention who he was apologizing to, but at the same time, it is... The, I mean, the NBA is going to fine him, maybe, but that's the only thing that but really is like, day, a bro, like what is his money? What does money even matter to these guys? Like, like that's another thing. I don't really like like when like someone gets hit with a million dollar fine. Like, yeah, like it's a million dollars. That was um, I don't know. that was the same thing that happened with Mark Cuban. Mark, so basically, at the time, the maximum fine that they could give an owner was two and a half million, and that's what they gave Mark Cuban. And then Mark Cuban donated an extra ten million dollars, and uh dedicated like he said all the right things because uh all the people who are doing this weren't with the team anymore or at least the president and a couple of the people they mentioned in the sports illustrated report like they weren't with the team anymore so he was like i had no idea this was happening with like taking accountability without taking accountability and he's like i'm going to donate an extra 10 million dollars and 12 and a half million will all of a sudden make it right and uh, again, but buy, but, but, yeah. but that still does nothing. Like, like end of the day, like, do I think like I don't want to play that tax write off bullshit? But like, yeah. it still is. Like, it doesn't. It's it just what's ten million dollars to Matt, to Mark Cuban? L- literally nothing to me. No, honestly. it's it's not a lot, and it it hurts Sarver more than it hurts Mark Cuban because Sarver's like a, a notoriously cheap guy who like the Suns are the only team that doesn't have a G League team because they decide and eh, it's not worth the investment and. Like that will probably hurt him more. It's just because I would Sarver love to have is... a conversation. I would love to have a do a, a podcast some point at, with you. Is that I talking about how I think that if anyone buys a team for a for like it for like to like to like add to their portfolio, shouldn't be able to buy the team. It, yeah, it's it's, it's it's too much of an invest, dude. Like, there's just too many people that care about it. Like, you're literally messing with people's lives, dude. If you just like don't sign anyone. Or don't do yeah. anything. It's difficult when a lot of these teams, because they've been handed down for like 60 or 70 years, like most of uh, like their only money comes from the team. That's a different case. But Sarver, like Sarver made his money like owning a bank. Like he's the CEO of a bank and also happens to own a basketball team. Like, yeah, he's one of those guys that can afford it. He's just cheap as shit because he doesn't want to put money into the Suns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. And that's right. I, 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 I like it's basically when yeah. I hear like the, you know, like the like big, in Boston, they hate John Henry now. John Henry mm-hmm. is like public enemy number one. He is because he's no longer like when he first came into Boston, he was a legend. 
He like really mm-hmm. wanted to win. Like obviously the team got really good. Now we just now it's like Liverpool. He traded Mookie Betts. Important. Yeah, he traded Mookie Betts and he buys the Penguins and he's like trying to buy a basketball team and he's partnering up with LeBron James. Do you know how much people hate LeBron in Boston? Do you understand <laughs> how much he gets hated in Boston? Like d- d- no one talked about that. Nobody talked about that. People hate. I have friends who cannot even say the guy's name without 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 them getting mad, and it's strictly for basketball. How much they freaking hate him? Yep, and stomped all over us. And when John Henry pairs with LeBron, literally in another continent, it's like, oh damn, we can't we can't deal with this. Well, I think he also is part first, of the Red Sox. Yeah. Yo, yeah, no, no, he does. Once he saw, he, 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 I mean, I don't know if he, I don't really know how that works out, but he's, he part owns Fenway Sports. So I don't know if that's like how that yeah, works. That but Fenway Sports Group has Red Sox and Liverpool and, and uh, Penguins. Yeah, and, the Penguins. And like, and like a, like a NASCAR thing or something. Yeah. But, but basically, yeah, it's like, it's one of these things like Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment that owns all the Toronto teams. Yeah. I know it. I know what it is. Yeah. And LeBron's partnered with them as a percentage. Basically trying to be like, uh, yeah, they're trying to be like, um, like Stan Kroenke. Yeah, Kroenke's another one of those where he owns five different teams, and, and it's pretty epic. I mean, it, it, I mean, dude, I'm not gonna lie, that's sick. That's sick. Yeah, and, and also the, the the Devils owner too. I can't remember. I can't remember his name. He's oh, he the they own teams. the they own the Sixers, right? Uh, yeah, Sixers. Like Devils. Josh Harris and the Fanatics guy. Yeah, I think so the Fanatics sold. guy just sold. Yeah, but they yeah, were because, like partners. He's in betting now. Um, what's his name? Uh, Last name Harris, but I don't remember what his first name is. Oh, uh, no, the the Fanatics guy. Oh my god, I I, I met him at that at, at a. Oh, he's he's a really nice guy. Hold on. Uh, oh, name drop. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up that name you just dropped on the floor right there. <laughs> What is it? What's his name? Is it Michael Harris? Oh, Michael Rubin. Michael Rubin. Oh, Michael Rubin. Josh uh, Harris, Michael Rubin. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, I just uh, know them as the Sixers guys because of the whole tanking thing. But I, I just know they also own the Devils, and I think they own a... I think they were trying to they buy just a baseball another team, team. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I thought they were trying to buy a baseball team. I want to say the, the, the guy who, like... Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, so yes. Yeah, and they, yeah, they divested, but yeah, they're trying to like own a portfolio of sports teams, which, like you said, it, it means too much to people to put themselves in a situation like that. But I mean, it's just kind of owning it. Like, as long as you take the time to hire good people, it'll be okay. Like, it's just, uh, it's just you got to write the checks. And if the owner like is reluctant to write the checks, then all of a sudden it changes the math. But I can understand like the frustration of that for like the Denver Nuggets with Kroenke, where it's like Denver let their general manager walk to the Timberwolves and they let uh, Masai Ujiri leave 10 years ago and they traded Carmelo Anthony, but they gave Jokic an extension. But, you know, like and they don't have a regional TV contract like I get that. Like, that's just devastating, given that you have the well, well the and, best, and the funniest thing is like, yeah, and you got a guy like Jokic, right? Just mm-hmm. strictly by mistake. Yeah, like just, there's never been a there's just, never been an example before or since like yo like pure lucky, just luck. You get a guy mm-hmm. like this, and like and like that's that, that's like what happened with the Patriots, bro. Like I, I'm not I'm not I'm not comparing Jokic to, 
Brady, but it's a similar conversation where you just you, could. you literally you just could. take a freaking flyer on a guy and he turns out to one of the best players in the league. And then uh, in Tom Brady's case, it's the greatest of all time. Yeah, Jokic was a stash and save guy. They weren't even like preparing for him to come over to America when they drafted him. And then, you know, de- development. I mean, it's the same thing with Giannis. He just got drafted 15th instead of 41st like Jokic. Like it's just no one knew these guys until they got to the NBA and then they turned into studs. And Denver has not supported him well in his time there. He just wants to stay and like, yeah, laugh, live, laugh, love, live it up in Denver because I'm cool playing in Denver. Like it's it's all I I get your point about that. And it goes back to what you said before about like following like, you know, sports are trying to say like they stand for this or stand for that. Like these are all corporations within a larger corporation. Like there's 32 NFL corporations within one larger NFL, like one larger hundred billion dollar corporation. So it makes it difficult for me to throw allegiance and support at it. But even like, because it's football, I fall into the trap of picking Tyree kill on my fantasy team this year. And I'm like, well, I did the best I could in terms of like trying to do the analysis, but like I, I look past like actually making, I guess the only one that I've like turned a corner on is with Deshaun Watson, just because of how much research I've done around that. Like, I don't, I don't want to watch the Browns. I don't want to talk about the Browns. I just want them to not exist for this season in my yeah, mind. Well, but like, well, I mean, that's a perfect example of like, without even talking about it, I agree. Like, I, mean, I don't know enough yeah. about it, but basically the point I'm trying to get at is that like, He's a good football player, and they and they they gave him the first guaranteed contract in the history of the sport. They didn't need to do that. No, that's it's one of those where that one. I don't know what the sensibilities are for me. I guess my values, how much I've followed that story, where it's like, I saw the Browns were playing next week on Thursday night. I'm like, not watching. I'm good. I'll do something else. I'm like, Browns play a primetime game. Nope, I'm good. I just it honestly, feels, it, that it one does kind of piss gross. me off though. It pisses me off how they treated Baker Mayfield. It's like, bro, like. Yeah, Baker Mayfield's not the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you he is. But like the Browns have been absolute dog shit for years, and then they get and they treat Baker Mayfield like he's a freaking dude. Like he he literally saved the franchise. Like go like miss me with that, dude. Like I just yeah, Miles Garrett saved the franchise, but yes, both of Baker them. Mayfield. I, I mean, dude, yeah. Baker Mayfield was the first good quarterback they had in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. But now they get a great quarterback for a decade, and all they have to do is just give up all of their integrity and credibility in order to do it. And five years from now, they're betting on we'll just move on. And a lot of people will. I just don't, at this point, don't feel like I will. People are going to forget. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not saying everyone, obviously, but yeah, it's it's not like, going to look like, like Ben Roethlisberger where ESPN's giving him like celebratory treatments at the end of his career or like turning Kobe Bryant into like a immortal legend of sports. It's not going to look like that, but it is going to not look like it is now. Well, yeah, the, the big Ben one is kind of funny. I mean, it, well, not funny, but it's, it's just very yeah. interesting. It's, an, it's another perfect example of like, if you're just a good football player, bro, people forget. They just do. Because we're forced to, like, we if it were up to us, we wouldn't watch it. But because well, people the Steelers always are always forget in the playoffs, Mike, dude. Mike Tirico has got these got some got some stuff going on too. Yeah, and no, I, I don't like Mike Tirico, but Mike Tirico is going to show up on your broadcast, and he no, was he was paired with John Mike Gruden. Tirico's a bad dude. Yeah, yeah, Mike Tirico, <laughs> the Italian Mike Tirico, is not the best guy in the world, and. uh 
uh, if you go back and read some of the stuff that was going on while he was at ESPN, like he has not served any meaningful consequence. Even dude, this happened to me a little while ago. Family guy taught me one of these things. Like family guy taught me something I didn't know where they, were, they did a joke last season where um, Quagmire like, isn't like he's struggling to sleep because he has the hiccups and Peter's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, I don't know, Peter, I can't eat. I can't sleep. Peyton Manning was accused of assaulting a woman and it kind of just went away. You never heard about that? Nope. Never knew it until family guy told me last year. They, they buried that. Like you, they ruined, I looked it up after they ruined that. They ruined the girl. Yeah. It was, uh, it was in college. It was, I think it was like a, it was like a um like a like a massage person or something, right? Or it was like it was a physician. Person. It was like a doctor yeah. or something. Like it was yeah. it was a it was a Tennessee like physician or something. And yeah, they she, just yeah, he they ruined her. They like literally ruined her career. And like and like we're talking about not kind of like scoffing, but it's scary, bro. They can just do that. Like, dude, like at, people in Boston don't forget that. They they talk about it all the time. Like uh, people don't like Peyton Manning. That probably makes sense that they kept bringing it up with Peyton Manning. I'm like. You're telling me that the immortal first family of football has that in their past and just nobody knows about it. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, I could believe it because it had like cynical shit happens all the time and we're just finger gunning our way to the end of the world. But like, I just couldn't, I just, it makes it so difficult because it's around every corner and you just do the best you can because again, these people, I mean, these men, these people are enabled and protected within the confines of sports, whether it's owners, whether it's players, if you have value and if you can make money, but it all depends on what the consumer is willing to spend on, I suppose, which I mean, I don't spend very much money on sports, but I do talk about it for a living. So I don't know. Maybe I live within this weird space of I'm supporting, but not supporting at the same time. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, bro, here's the thing. I think it's very hard to just be like, oh, let's just not watch football. Dude, I, as long as you don't support it, like I personally don't believe that one person is going to make a difference. And I know that's like not a great way to look at it, but the key is, is that bro, you're, like you find happiness watching sports. You're not watching it from freaking Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico is a piece of shit, dude. And every time I see him, I get pissed because I'm like, no one knows, dude. No one knows about this guy. He's a piece of shit. And then you, and then now, like you know, Tyree kills treated like a god. You know, like all these people, like Adrian Peterson. You know, like I, I just like I just like miss you with that, bro. Like. They're athletes. That's all they are to me. I can appreciate them as an athlete, but also know that most of them have from pretty dark shit they've done. That's all I that's, have. That's a healthy way that I think a lot of people have moved. And I'm just on the line where there, there's somewhere like if you can get away with the behavior. Yeah, that no, is, no, definitely. Like, no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Like, because like the, the, yeah. the, the Deshaun Watson one, for example, I think is like different because you could be like, I'm just not going to watch the Browns. I actually respect that. I actually give you a lot of credit for that because what he did but, is bad, dude. But you shouldn't like, respect it because I'm I'm not like doing it as a moral. St- I mean, it's kind of a moral stand, but like it's just so? I feel I just feel gross. Dude. Like I just feel really gross watching even the Browns because the Browns case is like they actively wanted this. They actively assumed this, and if there is no accountability brought to that, then they then they can do it like if if i'm proving them right 
but there's nothing more I can do. Like I'm, I'm not paying to watch the Browns. I'm watching the red zone, which I'm paying for anyways. So the Browns are popping up. Like I've done all the financially divesting from football as I can. Like the only thing I have is cable package and like YouTube TV. I can't divest any more than that from sports. And so the next thing is just, I won't talk about the Browns, I guess. Like I won't give them the dignity of, talking about it like it, i don't know exactly where to go with that part yeah there's only so much you could do bro and that's yeah and that's and, and and that's all i say like i do agree that you know watching the sport sometimes is like you know you're you're supporting it you know all, all these things like i'm not telling you you're wrong but i just yeah. like have a really hard time saying like because of one person even though i know that's how they're getting paid yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, and that's and that's the hard part. Like, there's just you just gotta find a way to like meet in the middle. Like, football is too important to me to give up. But I can tell you this for absolute certainty: people that like support these people, I think you're a freaking loser, bro. Like, I mean that as like respect as as respectfully as I could possibly say. Yeah, and I learned that lesson with Watson, where he was one of my favorite players, and I realized I don't know these people at all. Why should I ever be like rooting for these guys? And and it's at this point, it's not even like to make a moral stand for me. It's just, I feel better. Like, I feel like I'm, I feel like a better person because I'm not talking about the Browns. I'm not giving the Browns the light of day. I'm not, I don't well, want to talk good. about if, this. If, within if the it context. makes you feel it's better, just, then do it. Like seriously. Yeah. It's just doing it for like making me feel better. Cause there's nothing more I can do to less support the NFL other than just stop watching the games altogether. And I'm not in that point where like every, every like, situation moves the needle a little bit closer like for me with the olympics i was like i'm not gonna watch the olympics this year because of the way that they are very like being propagandist towards china and giving them a whole bunch of money and ignoring human rights violations but i wasn't i don't care about the olympics in the first place so it's easy for me to say i'm not gonna watch the olympics when i dedicate so much time to football and talking about football it's different. It hits different because this is the, this is the system that exists, and I don't know how to go about it because there's a whole lot of skeletons in a whole lot of closets. So the best thing I can do is just like not talk about the Browns for two years. Like that's the best. I maybe beyond that, like just makes me feel a little better more than like actually making a stand about it. I just won't talk about it. I guess I just won't talk about the Browns and talk about their team even though, you know, this is more of a management type of thing. I just can't separate the two, I guess. Well, but, the, but I don't think there is a way to separate the two, unfortunately. Like, yeah, because, I mean, but like, like separate Miles Garrett's done nothing wrong. And Miles Garrett's amazing. Oh, oh, but I'm not yeah, going to yeah, talk yeah. about Miles Garrett. No, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. They, you mean it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, I agree there's no I way for me to separate the two. So I'm just not going to talk yeah, about yeah, the yeah, Browns yeah. football team because it sorry, just sorry, makes sorry. me feel bad. Yeah, I I, I, I misinterpreted what you're saying. I totally agree with you. It sucks because you might be a big fan of, Let's say Denzel Ward. Oh, I guess he's, is he still on the Browns? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, I he's still he on the Browns. But like, even if I did analysis about a Browns game, like if I'm doing like, I mean, not X's and O's, but if I'm like talking about how Miles Garrett did this and this, and like it would be so much fun if they rushed Miles Garrett from like the position that Aaron Donald pass rushes from. Like he'd be so good if they did that. But I'm just kind of avoiding that part because I just feel gross talking about the Browns. Well, I can tell you that. I bet you the players are probably like, 
I mean, like, end of the day, they want to win. But, like, I just – I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it is pretty wild. I'll tell you this, honestly. If, like – like, like, everyone hates everyone until they're on their team. It's kind of a weird thing where you're, like – you know, then you got the local media. Well, some of them are – you know, real reporters, but other ones are just like, you know, but yeah. bobos are just like, yeah, we know like not- they have a cool job and they don't want to ruin that cool job. And so they will be propagandists for the team. Yeah. And, and the Patriots have a lot of those. And I always just think about that. I'm like, bro, these guys are freaking losers. Like they just are like, just like, did you see, Oh, and then another, I, this is also like on a, on a much another level, like a different level, but did you see that video about, um, uh, DJ Reed, his dad died before the game. Did you see that? Uh, I saw you made the video, but I didn't. I didn't watch the video. Okay. Um, so basically, DJ Reed, um, his dad died. He caught an interception during the game and kneeled in the middle of the field, and everyone was like, kind of, sh- you know, dumping on him for it because it's just like, why are you do that during the game? But no one, no one knew at this time. Mm-hmm. And a local reporter was like, kind of, like, not like making fun of him, but like joking about why would you do that type of thing. And yeah. then, then afterwards, obviously, he feels like feels like an idiot. But like, I bet you that reporter was trying to be a little bit like needle mover, and then just like, you know, like, like, damn, I didn't realize that this dude's dad died. You know, and that's the hard part with media. You need to find that middle ground where you're like, there's certain things you ask what people really want to hear, and then other things you just need to stay away from. And I think that's a really hard thing to do. Combined with the fact there's not enough to cover around football compared to the amount of media that we have because everyone wants to be around this really, really cool thing. And there's just not enough to cover like they like when people are doing uh NBA are doing football breakdowns in May or June. And I'm like, there's just not enough. Like it's th- there's not enough stuff you can talk about that's actually worthwhile yeah. or which is why I which is why I just like don't do that at all that's why pivoting different sports seasons is better or just having other interests but there's just i get that it's a cool job like i think that like power to you reporter person for getting a cool job where you get paid to just hang around a football team but at the same time like is there going to be any actual journalism or are you just going to be like getting the credential and then just like finger gunning your way through the, the the job itself like I yeah. just that that part's like there's no great answer there, but where we actually do need journalism in those cases in sports is talking about it, like talking about Robert Sarver in a meaningful way, talking about Tyreek Hill in a meaningful, nuanced way. Like that's there's actually some value that can be added there because I've learned a shit ton about broader society and myself and morals and ethics from sports. If if we had more conversations like that, then I think it would actually serve a better purpose with all the time that people have dedicated towards covering sports. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, bro. Yeah. It's uh it's all very interesting and just it's kind of a it's very it's obviously like sad and all this stuff, but only way we can get better from it is just, you know, keeping developing it. I mean, end of the day, like it, it is just sports. That's like also another problem. Like these guys just kicking a football and they make so much money off it. Like that's another problem, but is it a problem? It just, there's so many ways to look at it. It just, the, the conversation is bigger than the actual conversation. If that makes any sense. 
you mean that sports reflect broader society and therefore yeah. we can take issue we can learn interest i've i've freaked people out so much with that because most of my friends are not sports people and whenever they like are interested in something sports related like i was talking to someone the other day about like uh coach k and was like explaining what duke was in like the 90s and 2000s and how they were like trafficking in race and like being the great white hope and all this stuff and like people found that so interesting because they don't know sports, but they know like that story because it's existed all across America. And like talking about or like when people hear like, what's the deal with this Deshaun Watson guy? And like they read into this, it's like, oh, I've heard stories about this everywhere. It just also happens to apply to sports. Like I do, I see things like that, but that's where good journalism comes into play and like actually taking the time to do nuanced reporting like instead of just looking to lebron james to also be a reporter you could also have actual reporters have larger status per se and like actually foster the conversations around robert sarver instead of just a lebron james tweet about it yeah definitely yeah there's all sorts of different stuff that branches off from that and all that i think all this started while talking about terry kill but it's basically the same idea of like trying to figure all that out. Yep. I I agree with you. And it, it, it's, just, it's just a bigger conversation in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for all the time that you had. I know we were going to do a shorter podcast and then we ended up branching off to like five different things, but no, you're good. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it, dude. Um. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I really appreciate it. Um. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon.